Hello and welcome to a Tuesday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. We got a crowded booth here today. I'm Eugene Repay. We got Chris Danziel in the house, and we also have Brendan Riley. Brendan, how are you doing today? Doing good. Villanova's going dancing. It's uh, never a bad day when you can say that. Three-peat champions of the Big East tournament. Regular season champions. You got the double championship. It's a good day to be a Wildcat. Oh, yeah. Great weekend to be a Wildcat. Great day to be a Wildcat. We're approaching closer to that first game on Thursday night. We got a lot to unpack from this weekend. It was just a great time between all three Big East tournament games for Nova were just so fun to watch. Definitely had you hanging on the edge of your seat a little bit. But yeah, big historical achievement for Nova in achieving the first ever Big East tournament title three-peat. And we're talking old Big East, new Big East. We're talking the entire history dating back to 1980. So big shout outs to Jay Wright and the Cats. Winning never gets old. Winning titles never gets old. Filling up the trophy case never gets old. And then also, of course, Selection Sunday every year. It's always fun. It's always fun. And even though Nova isn't as highly seeded this year compared to the last couple years, it's always great. It's always great to see the NCAA tournament kind of start projecting your brackets, scout out the competition. I know you guys definitely had a lot of fun with it. We're going to get into Selection Sunday and the NCAA tournament brackets a little later in the show. But first, I just want to walk it back to the Big East tournament. That three-peat big weekend at Madison Square Garden for Jay Wright, for Villanova basketball, for Phil Booth, for Eric Pascal, all the seniors and the Cats. Overall, I know you guys had Nova winning. The both of you, I did not. I was the odd man out, and I will gladly accept that loss, being wrong. But did it fulfill your expectations? Did you see it going down this way in that Nova had those three grinded-out wins? They were not easy, but they were able to pull it out. And are you happy with the way that they bounced back from that losing stretch at the end of the regular season to being still on top of the Big East? Honestly, I'd have to say that's how it had to go down for us to have confidence in this team moving forward. You always want your team to be getting better through the Big East tournament, and they did. Um, It was not pretty. (laughs) They still have trouble finding their range from deep, which is a problem for a team that shoots so much from three. But defensively, the same way we saw last year's team do – they really started to come together as a team and play better team defense through the Big East tournament. I think that's what won them the championship, and I think that's what is building the confidence in them that they'll rely upon next week when uh, all eyes are on them. Yeah, the defense was really impressive this tournament, Brendan, and it was pretty much exemplified by Phil Booth guarding Powell at the end, forcing him to basically force up a, a long three, which he is very capable of hitting, as we saw throughout the tournament. But he was all over him, bricked it, and don't know if he was able to win because of it. But yeah, on, on top of the defense, I was really impressed with the rebounding. Like Samuels and Bay in that final game were just fantastic. Final all over the place. Bay had a great final. Samuels had a great final with some big threes at the end. He even hit some clutch threes against Xavier. So yeah, I, I do agree that they did get better throughout. And yes, the game against Xavier was a little uh, nervous-inducing and very tentative throughout, especially at the end. But yes, I, I do agree that they did get better throughout. And the, the guys who you you know we needed to step up with, like Samuels and Bay and even Gillespie in the final, they did step up, and that's what you needed. As we see all the time in dealing with V-Hoops, our wonderful, beautiful site, sometimes people are a little preemptive and panicking. 
And so when you see Nova wrapping up the regular season in the way that it did, at one point losing four or five games and then losing the regular season finale to Seton Hall, you bet people were very nervous about this Big East tournament. But just the way that Nova was able to put up, when it mattered most, you know, I thought in the Providence game, you look back at that, the Friars always make it tough. And then at one point, they did rumble back and tie it up at 44-44, and then Colin Gillespie comes back and knocks down a big three to just kind of put them back in their place. And then from there, Nova pulled away. And then the Xavier game, fighting back to the very end. It looked bleak for a second out there. And then we got that clutch tip in by Eric Pascal at the end of regulation. Then in overtime, Jermaine Samuels hitting some big threes, Phil Booth with a couple of big plays, and then the Seton Hall game. Always a classic, it seems like, whenever Nova Seton Hall meets at the Garden. Seems like the fireworks always come out. It's always a little extra. Sold-out crowds all throughout the week. It was just a great tournament, a great feel-good performance by Nova. I honestly love the defense, but I also loved seeing other guys step up. And as you guys kind of mentioned, big time supplementary performances by Jermaine Samuels and then especially Sadiq Bey in the championship. And of course, we got to see some of the other guys too, like Cole Swider coming out, DCR adding a couple boards. It was just a pretty good, feel good weekend. Absolutely. And uh, one of the two big t- takeaways I had one was Sadiq Bay's man. That guy can play. <laughs> uh, I- I've loved him ever since I saw him in the blue white scrimmage at the beginning of the year. And he's done nothing but improve. Uh, I'll be shocked if he doesn't win the most improved player award at the team ceremony at the end of the year. I mean, Samuels will give him a run for it, but for a freshman to come out, and have a double-double with 16 points in the championship game of the Big East Tournament when we started the season saying that he's a redshirt candidate and probably wouldn't play is absolutely remarkable. Uh, And the other thing I took away from this is that just astonishing how amazing this rivalry has become with Seton Hall. Uh, We really had a lack of a great, Big East rivalry after realignment. We thought it might be Creighton when we had to go through all that stuff with Doug McDermott, but once he was gone, that faded away. You know, we always were waiting for Georgetown to maybe put it back together. Maybe St. John's could be something, but they didn't have anything. Xavier was there and they were good, but they couldn't beat us. Uh, So it wasn't, it was very one sided. Seton Hall, yes, in the regular season since realignment, we've pretty much owned them. Um, we're, you know, 12 and 14 against them winning 75% of the time, but in the big East tournament, we've met four times. We are two and two against them. One and one in the championship and all four games have been decided by two points or less. Like you can't ask for a better rivalry when it matters the most. And it, does not hurt that their fans and coach are so unlikable uh, that it really, really makes me excited every single time we play them. Oh, and especially <laughs> with the way that their semifinal game went down with a brawl, a couple ejections, 5,000 technical fouls, Miles Powell throwing elbows, not getting penalized for it. It just added to it. And then, of course, on Thursday night when Seton Hall was playing Georgetown, you got Miles Powell having his record-breaking night in the first half, riling up the crowd like a WWE wrestler, screaming, this is my bleeping city. It just added to it. It just really added to the image 
and just the emotion surrounding this Villanova Seton Hall rivalry. I guess we can now call it that, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's there. Powell was staring down the Villanova bench three minutes into the game. I think I think it's there. I will also credit Brendan, though, because he was the guy calling Sadiq Bay, our rookie of the year, our freshman of the year. He said it since day one. And then when you started hearing a couple rumors or the captains really applauding him as someone who would turn heads once the season rolled around, I was like, okay, yeah, I get, you know, you might just be saying that or we'll see what happens. But no, he's been big time. And then just the icing on the cake with his big boy performance in his first ever Big East Tournament Championship game, he was phenomenal. I thought he was just amazing in the way that he was able to grab some key rebounds, play some tough defense. He was on Powell a few times and then knocking down those threes from the wing or even coming in. And as we saw that one time, throwing down that nice big slam. Big shout out to Sadiq Bay. Big shout out to Brendan for calling the shot there. Yeah, I'll take credit for that. But uh, uh, I will equally take credit for the many misses I had at the beginning of the season. I believe I thought we were an Elite Eight team. I think one of my other bold pred- p- predictions was that uh, we would go 17-1 and one in the Big East. Not so much, but... <laughs> uh, man, when, the second I saw Bay, it was very similar to the first time I saw Eric Paschal, where I was like, oh my gosh, we got a football player playing basketball on our team. This is amazing. He's going to be very good. And he's been he's been absolutely great. And I can't wait to see what his role will be next year when he is the one stepping into Eric Pascal's shoes. Man, I don't even know if I want to talk about next year because in after that game, it was just a complete love fest. It was Jay Wright just a, completely applauding his seniors, Phil Booth, Eric Pascal, talking about how valuable they are, getting on the other guys, acting like brothers, fathers to the younger guys on the team. I'm going to really miss Phil Booth, man. And I'm really going to miss EP too. You know, those guys were like the 2016 OGs. Yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, the video of the team celebrating with uh, karaoke sing-along in the locker room after the game (laughs) is so good. (laughs) So good. Party in the USA was the song of choice, I heard. Yes. Great. Yes. I don't know. I think it was on Instagram or whatever it was on, but definitely worth a watch if you haven't seen it already. But shout outs to Phil Booth, the Big East Tournament MVP. Eric Pascal was also all tournament. Aside from those guys, we got some big contributions along the way from other guys to help make this 3P possible, to help make this Big East Tournament title possible. But now we're taking it and we're going into the NCAAs. We're going into the big dance. What is something that you guys saw in the Big East Tournament that made you feel like you know aside from defense i know you guys already talked about the defense but was there something else that helped bring confidence to this team moving forward yeah the defense as you mentioned and the other point that was already brought up was really the the second tier guys coming stepping up finding those third and fourth guys that can score. I mean, Gillespie's been there throughout the year, although towards the end, his shooting was getting a little streaky. And, you know, he came through big, though, in the in the tournament. Uh, Sadiq Bey has become more reliable. Samuels is a streaky outside shooter for sure. But, man, can he connect when, when we really need a bucket. <laughs> that kid's saved us in so many late-game situations now. Like, that's impressive for a guy that, I mean, earlier in the season, we were saying that he didn't know what to do when the ball came in his hands, almost to a point where he was praying not to get it. And now we're 
you know, confident when he gets the ball and either attacks the basket or takes an open shot. His progression has been phenomenal as well. So I'd say the biggest thing that gives me hope going forward outside of the improved defense is the additional scoring threats on the team. Yeah, Brendan, I'm right there with you, especially with big game Jermaine. I mean, the shots he's hitting, like you said, are just absolutely clutch. You had that big three against Xavier where he got the role, the friendliest of roles. He had the two big threes against Seton Hall, especially the one that was sort of the dagger before Seton Hall was able to climb into it. But I'm loving the way Samuels is playing. I'm loving the way Bay's playing. And I know Gillespie had an off night against Xavier, but he certainly can definitely remedy that in the next game like he did against Seton Hall. So those options are there, and hopefully they do find their stroke in the NCAA tournament because they're certainly going to need it. But I'm loving the way those three are playing right now. The other guy I'll bring up, and you're not going to hear his name often because he certainly made some boneheaded mistakes and fouls in the past two weeks. But Demir Cosby Roundtree is quietly having possibly the greatest season as an offensive rebounder that this team has had since Jason Frazier. Uh, If you go and look at the numbers, I'm not going to dive into them right now, but it's unreal. He is so efficient at getting offensive boards and gets so many of them for the much smaller amount of playing time he's getting now since his injury at the beginning of Big East play. It's really beneficial to our team, and it's one of the ways we've been able to overcome some of the poor shooting nights that we've had is because he just creates second opportunities left and right. It's funny you bring him up because I was joking to a couple people off to the side uh, all throughout Biggie's tournament week. And as you said, you know, while he has had the kind of boneheaded plays over the last couple weeks, I was saying like, oh, did, did him and Jermaine switch bodies at one point? Because now you have Jermaine being all confident and then DCR is making the nice rebounds, making the nice second chance opportunities, but then sometimes not following it up with the right decision or kind of freezing in the post there before making a play. But yeah, no, Cosby Rountree has had some key offensive rebounds. I thought just overall the rebounding effort was phenomenal in the Big East tournament, especially against Seton Hall, because last time out against the Pirates, we just got obliterated on the glass. For sure. And I, I thought that that offensive rebound and putback by DCR at the end of the first half was pretty huge to give them the lead going into halftime. And it, it helps, I would think, mentally, knowing that you're up at least and you let Seton Hall kind of call back into it after you took like an eight, nine point lead to go into half at least leading. It kind of I felt like it, it helped a little bit for sure. And obviously the two points were big because they won by two. So on top of various other things, but I do agree. He's had some uh, rough patches, especially with that uh, foul at the end of the game. Allow Seton Hall for the end one. And, on, and then not kicking the ball out when they were trying to kill the clock. But, I mean, for sure, he's definitely having a good season on, on the offensive glass. So Nova's coming in 25-9, and nine, fresh off of a three-peat in the Big East tournament, another regular season title. Now they're going to the NCAA tournament, where it kind of feels like flying under the radar as defending champions, which is fine. It's whatever. As of Selection Sunday, the committee coming out with a much better show, by the way, Shout out to CBS for not messing around, just going straight to business, popping out the teams one one after another, not doing all the unnecessary sideshows and extra stuff to quote unquote make the fan experience better. No, just went straight to business after like 20, 30 minutes, the whole bracket was out. Totally fine with that. Villanova is a six seed. They are going up against a familiar foe, even though they haven't seen each other since 2010. For some people, it brings PTSD flashbacks. Brothers, it gives them a nice, excited opportunity for maybe revenge, hopefully revenge, 
as they'll take on the 11 seeded St. Mary's Gales this Thursday, first round at Hartford, Connecticut. What did you guys think of the draw? What do you think of this matchup? Where do you, what did you guys think of where Villanova is right now? Well, the seeding I'll say was surprising. Uh, when you go and look at the true seeds, they're the top six seed, which makes me believe maybe they got moved for some kind of, you know, rules reasons that they haven't disclosed yet. We might find that out during the week, but um, I was surprised that they were a six seed. Uh, I was extra surprised that Marquette was the five seed we didn't see coming and that they were the top five seed. When you go back and look at the logic, it just reemphasizes how much quad one wins were important to the committee. Marquette finished with 10 of them to Villanova's five. And so that's why I think they got the higher seed than Villanova did. Uh, it's also why the, the Big East tournament didn't really help Villanova. As much as we want to say that, oh, they're the champions, how can you do that to a champion? You know, they don't take into account who is champions other than maybe a a secondary level, more importantly, usually, is the quad one wins you acquire in the path of becoming a champion. And this year for Villanova, because of the cannibalization of the league through February, those weren't there. All of their wins in the Big East tournament were Q2 wins. Um, so they didn't get any additional helping in the seeding. All of that said, I think they have a better path as the sixth seed in the South than they would have as the five seed in any of the other regions. It's not saying that it's going to be an easy path, and they're going to be facing potentially two teams that play exactly the same way that they do. But it, as far as a seeding went, I think it was surprising, and they were underseeded, but at the same time, it's going to work out in their benefit. And at first, I was initially miffed that Marquette was a higher seed, and just because, you know, Villanova's the Big East champs, regular season champs, they won an outright over them, and then they won the tournament. But then you see Murray State gets drawn with Marquette, and you feel a little bit better about yourself because I do feel Murray State can do some damage, especially with Jay Morant. And then you have Villanova at Hartford, which is supposed to be a home court advantage. So you got that. St. Mary's, I mean, obviously they beat Gonzaga, but I still feel it's, it's going to be a tough game. But after that, if they do get through, Purdue doesn't scare me as much. And then you still, you're still at Hartford. I like the draw. I really do. And it would have been better than any potential 4-5 seed matchup that they would have had if they had gotten bumped up a seed line. First thing I did, and I know that there was a lot of outrage on Twitter, but you just look at, around at the rest of the bracket. And honestly, I look at the five seeds, five and six, not that much of a difference. But you look at the paths, as Brendan pointed out, that you look at the paths that these five seeds are taking. Not jealous. Not jealous. I love where we are. I love the draw. Love our pod. Love our section of the bracket. Love that we're in Hartford, which is huge. If we weren't a six, we wouldn't have been there. So I think, honestly, it worked out. It worked out at the end. And then when you get into St. Mary's, you know, if you haven't been following this team, well, you're everyone. No one has followed this team. No one even remembered that they were a team until they beat Gonzaga. But I was shocked to see how highly they're rated in Ken Palm. They're 31st overall to Villanova's 26th. Ken Palm has Villanova as one-point favorites. Uh, and while it is a, a neutral court, we should get some bit of a home court advantage because I can't imagine St. Mary's has a large enough fan base or that it travels enough to outmatch Villanova in getting tickets to that game. 
but when you start comparing these teams, they are remarkably similar. First off, if you don't like how slow Villanova plays, get ready for the worst game of your life because St. Mary's plays even slower. They're both in the bottom 25 in tempo. This is going to be a slow-paced slugfest. As far as St. Mary's goes and going into a little deeper dive on what they do, when they're on offense, they want to use up as much of the clock as possible. Then they want to try to ISO uh, in with uh, likely their guard forward, who is their star player. Uh, And he's going to try to drive and dish. Not as much drive and kick as Villanova is used to with kicking it out to shooters. They can do that, and they shoot at about 37% from three-point range. But they're more looking to drive in and dish to a cutting big man to get an easy two-point lay-in, which is something Villanova is going to have to contest with because they have two big guys in Fitz and Hunter that are going to be tough to handle on both the offensive and defensive sides because they're also a very good rebounding team. They also do, they they don't create a lot of turnovers, but they don't turn over the ball. They don't you know foul a lot, but they also don't give up a lot of fouls. So it, it's this is just going to be a very slow, very methodical game. Like it's not going to be a you know a slugfest like we saw against Seton Hall, but it is going to be a slow efficiency game, which is going to test Villanova. Uh, it's They don't play a lot of teams that try to do exactly the same thing they do like this very often. How about on the other side, when you look at Purdue and Old Dominion, what sticks out to you about both of those teams? Well, guess what? Um, Purdue does a lot of what Villanova does interesting side of the bracket because so many of these teams play so similar Purdue obviously has Carson Edwards and he's going to be a lot to handle however Villanova has shown especially with Jay Wright and his defensive scheming that he is okay when he has to just shut down a guy or not even shut him down necessarily oftentimes they'll take the approach of we know he's going to get his, so we'll do the best to slow him down, but we're going to make sure that everyone around him doesn't get additional points, and that's how they beat you. So Purdue doesn't scare me as much. That said, Old Dominion's a great story, uh, and for Villanova fans that are of a certain age, you're going to get nightmares remembering the triple overtime game in which they knocked off Kerry Kittles. And the, and the Wildcats, but this is not that old Dominion team, and I would have a hard time seeing them getting past Purdue, especially Purdue is an Indiana basketball school. I know we all like to think that Hartford is going to be a home court advantage for Villanova. Indiana schools travel. Purdue is going to be there in force. I wouldn't be shocked if they had more fans there than Nova does. They'd certainly travel, and obviously Indiana loves their basketball. And if we remember correctly, last year Purdue was Villanova's two seed in their bracket and until they lost to uh, Texas Tech, I believe it was. Yeah, because then Villanova played in the Elite Eight. So the committee obviously wants this Villanova-Purdue matchup to happen because after that great game in 2017 in at Purdue – so obviously they must love that. But I'm not even going to pretend to act like I know Old Dominion, what they're up to. But Ken Palm says they're pretty good at defense, 48th. Their problem is their offense. They're 216th in adjusted offense right now. And that puts them at 112 overall, which 
puts them up against the likes of UCLA and other NCAA competitor, Georgia State. I doubt they beat Purdue. I, I think that's pretty safe to say, but you never know. And it's funny to think Villanova could get two revenge games, uh, historically anyway. Hopefully they beat St. Mary's, which would avenge that 2010 loss. And then if they could beat Old Dominion, it'll avenge that 90s loss. So it would be, uh, be pretty nice. The thing with March Madness, I feel like, I don't know about you guys personally, but I love switching up my bracket every 30 minutes leading until like the first game tipping off on Thursday. So I'm not going to hold this to you now, but as of right now on this Tuesday, how far do you see Nova going? Do you see them making it to the Sweet 16? Are we looking at a round of 32 disappointment or even a first round disappointment? Where do you see them going? It, it's tough because, like I said, we're, we're playing similar teams that are uh, assuming that the two teams we potentially face are St. Mary's and Purdue. They're both high-quality teams. We're talking about two top 50 Ken Palm teams that are projected to do well in the tournament. So it's not easy by any stretch. At the same time, these are not invulnerable teams. I'd say the one thing that they all have in common is that they're also inconsistent. So it's going to come down to who shows up to play. Um, Villanova being on that strong run late in the season, I think gives them an advantage. Now, St. Mary's is on the same exact run, and they're coming off of beating the number one team in the country, so their confidence is going to be high. However, I watched that game, and that Gonzaga team was not the Gonzaga that we've seen all season. They had a terrible game. So if Villanova can come in and play at a high percentage of what we know they're capable of, I still think they're the better team, and I still think they can come away with it. Same thing against Purdue. Purdue got knocked off in the Big Ten tournament, and so they're trying to come back from that. They did not have as great a season as they wanted to, but they quietly had a very good season. I mean, they are a three seed. So again, it's a comes down to consistency. If Villanova plays to the caliber that they are capable of, they can win that game. If they come in flat, then they're going to have a real tough time getting through it. Uh, I think that Villanova is capable of getting to the Sweet 16 this year. And I think that's going to be the success of the season bar. I, I, I mean, I, I hate to say that because of how low this team got at one point and what the rocky road was to get here and that they're, um, you know, that they have had such struggles. But at the same time, you win 25 games your goal needs to be the second season or the second weekend. Now, when you get there, you're potentially facing Tennessee and Virginia, you know, uh, two potential two one seeds on many people's brackets. So at that point, you know, if they can't get past those guys, it's not the end of the world. Uh, those teams are better than those teams. Bests are better than Villanova's best this year. But I think the sweet 16 is what they need to be aiming for. I think that's a reasonable goal. And if they play 40 minutes of Villanova basketball, they can get there. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Brent. I truly believe this team can definitely get to the Sweet 16. And maybe if they get a little help from Old Dominion, it might be a little easier. They certainly could beat St. Mary's. They certainly could beat Purdue. And they can certainly beat Old Dominion. I, I think it's possible. And if you get to the Sweet 16, maybe you get some help along the way. Maybe Cincinnati knocks off Tennessee. And then you can face up against them instead of 
that those Grant Williams and Admiral Schofields of the world. But I do believe that Sweet 16 should be the bar. I would be very impressed with it. I would be really happy with it. I think they can do it. But right now, as we sit here on Tuesday, I'm a little precarious in saying that, but I think they most certainly can get there. I usually don't like to comment on how far or like where Nova's going, but in all honesty, just looking at the Big East tournament and looking at the resolve and looking at the persistence that Nova played with all throughout that week, you know, it wasn't just two seniors carrying the way. You saw a couple of guys grow up real quick or grow up and dial in some nice contributions to help those guys out, to help out Booth, help out Pascal. And that Xavier game took some serious cojones. The Seton Hall game did too. And I like that. I like seeing that in Nova going into the NCAA tournament time. I don't think I'm going to ride the wave too crazy where I go Elite Eight or Final Four. But after watching this past weekend, I, I honestly don't think it's outrageous to say that they're going to make it to the Sweet 16. I think they definitely can make it. And I think I'm actually going to lock it in. And I think I'm going to say they are going to make it to the Sweet 16. I'm feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good after this week. Bold. Bold. It was my preseason prediction. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling, I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with it. It's going to be close. It's, it's gonna really going to be close. Be close. <laughs> really, I'll, like I'll really be, close. I'll be surprised if outside of a late game foul fest, if any of these, if either of these first two potential games finish further apart than five points, It'd be surprising. Yeah, they're no, they're, I definitely expect them to be mentally taxing if you're a Villanova fan to watch those games. Yeah, I definitely think they'll be tough. But outside of Nova, we got three other schools in the Big East. You know, Nova's the six seed. Marquette, as mentioned, is the five seed. Then we also got Seton Hall, who's a 10, the Big East tournament runner up. And then St. John's sneaking in there. Reservations for Dayton with an 11 seed playing game against Arizona State. It seems to be the hot topic every year. You know, the Big East is a great conference, can get all these teams into the tournament, this and that. But we haven't exactly seen the longevity or a long stay for many teams in the Big East outside of Villanova. And then a couple Sweet 16 instances here and there by a couple other guys like Butler that one year. How many Big East teams are going to the second weekend, if any? How do you think the Big East will represent this year? Not as many teams as the last couple years, but hey, we got four in. How far do you see those guys going? I think Villanova is the only one that has a legitimate chance to get to the second weekend. Marquette, I do think they'll beat Murray State. I, I mean, we you hope Marcus Howard is a healthy uh, and that his wrist is better because that does make a world of a difference for them. But the rest of their team is better is more than good enough to handle uh, Murray State and John Moore. Uh, past that, Florida State is going to be a tough team for Marquette. Now, if Marquette's shooting well, they can obviously shoot over Florida State, and it's kind of how Villanova beat them. But otherwise, it's going to be really tough. It's going to be really tough to get by that team. It's not impossible. If one other team has gotten to the second weekend, I think it is Marquette. But uh, – Getting by Florida State will be tough. Seton Hall, they're up against Wofford. I actually like them in that game, despite how good Wofford's played. Wofford's been very, very good in its own league, and it did schedule a lot of good teams, but it lost by a lot to a lot of good teams. Um, <laughs> uh, and I think Seton Hall is playing much better than a 10 seed right now. I get that their body of work deserves a... a in the range of a 10 seed, 
I, I probably would have had them a little bit higher, but they're playing like a much higher seed at the moment. So I could see them stealing one there, but you get Kentucky in the second week or in the second game. Yes, they beat them earlier in the season, but I think that's more an advantage to Kentucky than it is to, uh, to Seton Hall. So we'll see how they do down in Florida. And then St. John's is going to lose immediately. They, they're they not going to win any games. I'll be surprised if they don't call it at halftime. <laughs> no mercy. No mercy for St. John's. Chris, how do you see yeah. it? Yeah, I don't see St. John's winning their opening game either. I, I'm i going to be honest with you. I, I, I know I just hyped up Murray State before, but I, I really think Marquette gets to the second weekend. I, I Just off a gut. I really have no factual evidence or looking into stats or anything just off the pure gut first reaction at the bracket i'm like eh, i'll send them through i also don't like seton hall against wofford i think wofford takes care of them pretty easily i'm loving that team over there 19 in kempon while seton hall is 50 something right now i believe it's 55 yeah 55 so loving the, the matchup for wofford so i don't see so i guess i see one team get into the second weekend and that would be marquette how about nova is nova included or were you just doing nova <sighs> i'm st- yeah i I'm still undecided about Villanova right now. Try Get back to me on Thursday. <laughs> Boo. Dude, All right, Nova. fine, fine, fine. <laughs> They're in. They're in. Uh, Old Dominion beats Purdue. Villanova gets revenge oh. for 95. Oh, we got, we got the other side, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, nah, seriously, though, I think Guts says they lose to Purdue in the 3-6, but I, I think they get past St. Mary's. So to, I guess only one total. And that'd be Marquette. I have one total, and I think it's Nova. I just do not believe in Marquette right now. I know they're probably fired up with the way that their last game ended, but I just, I look at the downward spiral that they're at, and I just, it's just not cute. It's not pretty. I'm sure they're frustrated. As much as I did not like the John Morant hype train for 95% of the year, I think I'm going to get on it just this one time, and I think they actually do upset Marquette. And then, yeah, St. John's, if they beat Arizona State, I'd be surprised. And then you got Seton Hall. I think they'll beat Wofford, but in a rematch with Kentucky, I think Kentucky's at the point where it's late in the season. They got their stuff organized. It's not like early in the year when you can kind of catch them off guard, when you still have a lot of new pieces or you're still trying to get all a bunch of different systems, concepts to mesh. But now they're in midseason form. It's March. I'm feeling Calipari over Willard. And those cats over the Pirates in the NCAA tournament. So that leaves Nova, who I think will make it to the Sweet 16. So one out of four. Well, it's that time of the day where we stop what we're doing, pop open the mailbags, and answer the questions that you, the listeners out there, and the fans have sent us via Twitter or via the comment section on View Hoops. Are you guys ready? Let's do it. All right. First question is from Hank Baggio. Interesting to note that Nova is listed as the number 21 in the overall ranking of the 68 teams selected, meaning the first of the four six seeds. As such, why didn't the committee put Nova in the east instead of the south? I actually know the answer to this one. So the regional seeding and protection for uh, the, the regional east, south, midwest, and west only applies to the top four seed lines. After that, they tried to keep people closer to where the first rounds will be played if they can, but they seed them as they need to. That doesn't really 
at that point, they don't care where they're going to be regionally, um, frankly, because those are not the favored teams to move to the Sweet 16. Uh, so you saw that with Villanova as the 16, as the top six seed. They got placed in Hartford. They are as close to home as they possibly can be for the rounds they're supposed to be playing in. And then the fact that they're in the South is just how it worked out. That's good to know. I actually wasn't sure if it was top four or top five, but that, that's a nice little tidbit. Next question from Joe Wu Rychowski. He's got a couple here. First one from him is, do you realistically see the defense performing better in the tournament? We've seen the ton of easy layups and mismatches where opponents have scored easily. I think that might be skewing towards recency bias just because if you look at a team like Xavier, they're just bigs all day and that's just a mismatch for Nova. So maybe that's why you thought that there were a lot of quote unquote easy layups. But I honestly think that the defense as a whole from where we were going into the season, Morgan State till last weekend, the East Tournament final, it's improved a ton. What do you guys think? It's a little bit of a, of a trick question. Do I think the defense is going to play better? Absolutely. Are we going to see much better offenses in our path? Absolutely. <laughs> so is is it going to look any different? I don't know. If we're going to move on and stay consistent, then yeah, it needs to look better, especially if you're worried about the bigs, starting off with uh, the Gales and and then Harms for uh, uh, Purdue. We're going to see some bigs that will be able to throw down on us, but it's a, just a matter of can Villanova keep playing together as a defense and not make as many mistakes. It's all about consistency. And if we can stay consistent, I think we'll continue to move on. Yeah, Brendan, I agree. I think you just got to look for consistency at this point. I don't think they're just going to flip a switch and then magically this defense is going to be, you know, top 15 esque in terms of efficiency, but as Eugene said before, like this isn't the defense that was touted out against Morgan State. So I think it'll be fine, but I don't think it's going to just be, you know, super great where it wins us a game. We're still going to need the the offense to click. If there's one thing that I definitely took away from the Big East tournament, it's that they might have their share of lapses. I mean, no defense is perfect. There's, you know, you're not winning a game 82 to zero. But if you look at late game, I think that Nova's defense has really stepped it up in the closing minutes or in crucial minutes, whenever they need to get a stop, or whenever they need to play. So I think that's pretty encouraging going into the tournament. But yeah, as Brendan said, the competition is going to get a lot harder. It's going to get a lot fiercer. So we're just going to have to wait and see. But I am anticipating and expecting better defensive performances across the board from the Cats. But we're just going to have to wait and see. His other question was, Jay mentioned about a quote-unquote special year in the NCAA tournament on Selection Sunday. I'm not trying to read into anything, but that comment struck me. Curious as to what everyone's take on that is. Thanks. Chris, what's your take on a quote-unquote special year in the NCAA tournament? What is Jay going for there? I'm not, I'm not a, I don't know if I necessarily understand the question or understand what he was kind of saying there. He's, is he just saying that it's just a special year in general? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, no, that, that's pretty much what Joe's question was. Okay. I mean, I don't, I don't have greater context for you. I don't have a, a clip to replay, okay. but just, right. just that comment. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's special in the sense that you got Duke who's looking like world beaters right now. You got Zion kid, you got RJ Barry, you got Cam Reddish, you got those big three freshmen. You got Virginia who's looking to avenge their 
16-1 upset. So I guess in that term, I guess it's kind of special in that sense. And also I think it's special in the sense that, yes, Duke is this overwhelming favorite, but I feel that we can just see a bunch of upsets occur even with Duke being that overwhelming favorite. I think these teams are just so close. And I think I feel like we've been saying it for years now where it's like every team can just go out there and beat each team every, every single night. There isn't that overwhelming favorite like we had with Kentucky a few years ago. And I feel that because every team is so close together, I, I feel that we can just see some magic and some madness as we live up to its March Madness billing here. This is good because we took this question completely differently. I thought he was saying it's a special NCAA tournament for Villanova. And the way I took that was we were supposed to come into this year with Dante DiVincenzo and Amari Spellman. And we basically saw Jay take a younger team and a younger coaching staff and build both of them throughout the year with this surprise tossed in their way and still win the Big East, win the Big East tournament, and now we're going to get to see how much this team can come together past Selection Sunday. I, I think as I started filling out all my brackets and everything, the more I look at it, the more and more I do think Villanova has a solid chance of moving on to the Sweet 16. And I, I, I think doing that in this type of season where Jay had to rethink how he approaches developing freshmen, recognizing that what worked for Jalen Brunson and Dante DiVincenzo isn't going to work for Brandon Slater and Javon Quinterly, like realizing how he has to adapt as a coach, how he has to bring along his players and how he has to also be developing his coaching staff. I mean, we, we forget this, this is a young coaching staff compared to what we had in the championship years. So it's been a really big development year for, for Jay Wright. I think that's what makes being in this position so special. And I, I'm interested to see how far he can go with it. Yeah, I was kind of thinking also through a Villanova lens, kind of as, the, as Brendan mentioned, you know, people were ready to write this team off once they lost to Penn. Once it lost to Kansas, and then of course the Furman game, those were you know those were not cute. Those were ugly, ugly losses. Seeing where Villanova is now and how they progressed since November, since December, there were a lot of tinkering that needed to be done. But it seems like Villanova's figured it out. They won the Big East regular season title once again. They won another Big East tournament title, and now I kind of looked at the quote unquote special year as wink, wink. We're looking to make more noise. So. We're not done yet. That's kind of how I took it. So I'm, I'm interested to see also, you know, what Villanova can do. But hey, you know, it's up to Jay to put up those, put those pieces together, see how far they can run, and we'll see how it goes. But I'm glad that we all, we all had kind of varying takes on it. Hope that answers Joe's question. The next one is from Dapper Jay Wright. How nice are my suits? A plus. A plus. <laughs> I think that's more of a Mike J question because he's the suit watch man, although he's kind of retired from that. But I'd say they've been pretty good. I'm by no means a fashionista. Uh, my uh, preferred uh, outfit when I go out is a, a pair of cargo shorts and a old lacrosse T-shirt. But uh, I would say, J I mean, JQJ is the most well-dressed coached in all of college basketball. 
However, I'm not going to lie. I think this was a down year. I, I think this was a step back for the coach. He had to spend more time focusing on his players and less time on his wardrobe. And I think uh, once he's able to get back into his rhythm and back into, uh, you know, the stuff that really matters, uh, he'll step his game back up. Oh, that's, you know, I never thought about it like that. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's true. He's been, he's been a little more distracted, not enough time to prepare how he would look because he's got to fix the team or worry about the team. Next year might even be more of a struggle, too, with all the freshmen coming in and having a generally younger team than this year. So hopefully he's uh, able to get back on that game within a, a two-year stretch here. So I'm, I'm going to bundle these two just because they're they're pretty similar. But uh, we have Briz underscore two, and he says, do you agree with the six seed? And then we have Thomas Cullen who asked, you know, why did Marquette finish ahead of Nova in seeding? We went over this in the show, but Brendan, you please walk us back. Pull out the numbers. Pull out the net. Is the net a good system? Do you think that this formula is fair? Do you think that you like this new metric since it was introduced? We're still learning a lot how the the net was used. Um, and what it looks like is they actually used it exactly how they said they were going to use it, which is it's more of a sorting tool than by any means a full metric that's deciding where people are going. And that was evident by... You know, teams like St. John's that were up in the 70s in the net getting in and a team like NC State that was in, what, the 30s or 40s that missed the cut. So I like that they did not stay as strictly to the net as we thought they were. As for Villanova getting a six seed specifically, I think what happened there is that there was a large chunk of teams that finished very close to each other between the bottom part of the four line and the top part of the six line. Uh, There was just like eight teams that were very, very similar in their resumes. And, you know, Villanova fell a little short because of having a five and six quad one record. And uh, frankly, they had a lot of road losses. When they went on that stretch of losing four or five games, those were all road losses. Uh, and that's a, a big factor for the committee. In fact, we've since seen the director of the uh, selection committee come out and specifically address why Marquette was a five seed over Villanova as a six seed. And he pointed directly to the fact that Marquette had 10 quadrant one wins to Villanova's five and that Marquette had a better, a much better road record than Villanova did, and that's why they got the bump ahead of Villanova. So it it was nice to have a candid answer like that. I understand the logic. I don't agree with it. I still would have Villanova ahead of them. I think that there needs to be at least some reward for winning a conference tournament, for winning a regular season championship. I know that there isn't right now, and it's more focused on the body of work, and it's more oh, well, you got the wins and the quadrant wins, and that's what the reward is, not necessarily winning the championship. I would like to see a little more emphasis go to a championship than what they showed in this uh, bracketing. However, I mean, we're nitpicking at this point. I think they did a very good job of bracketing this year's tournament. hope that answers your questions, Thomas and Briz underscore two. We got one last one, and this is from Seattle Mike J, the Mike Town, Mike Jacobs. He says, I'm going to Vegas on Sunday. Disclaimer. What bets do you want me to make? 
you got 20 bones, and it better not be some dumb season-long baseball play. And that was directed at Chris. Oh, come on. He knows he liked that bet. It won. It paid out. Come on, Mike. Um, <laughs> all right. So I'm going with a bet here. If we're going to hit the craps table, I'm going to throw down a $2 yo. So got to roll an 11 and put the rest of the money on a hard six in honor of Villanova's six seed. Brendan, what you got? I'm not much of the gambling type because when I try to do it, I lose all of my money. But if I were to go on a, uh, a propish type bet, um, I would put, if I could find someone to give me a line on this, I would put money on Sadiq Bay having another double-double in the first weekend of the tournament. That, that's an interesting one. I would love to know if you could actually get a stat on that or the line on that. I, I don't know what it would be, but I think that's going to happen. And oh. it's, it's not – while many people might be thinking, oh, well, of course he is. He just had one in the Big East Tournament final. Like, that was his second double-double all season. It's not something that's happened a ton. But I think given the opponents and the type of games that are going to get played, I think he's going to play a big part of it, and that's where I would put my money. Mike, I think I want to – I think I want to hold off and see what the games are looking like on Sunday, and then maybe we could parlay something together. So I guess I guess we're going to hold off. Otherwise, if I forget and you don't hear from me, just go ahead and put 20 on roulette, red or black. I trust your judgment. And then uh, go until we both have 20 extra dollars to our name. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the View Hoops Network. You could do so on iTunes, Google Play, Megaphone, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms, which I'm still trying to figure out. I have to follow up with John over at SB Nation and Vox, because apparently they just went ahead and published us elsewhere, which is pretty cool, too. Also, please follow the pod on Twitter, at Pod. Check back at viewhoops.com. It's March Madness. That means it's madness over at VU Hoops. It's just a party. Not only are we just going to be pumping out content left and right, but the comment section is going to be a pop in time, as always. Even more so, though, than Big East tournament time, than regular season and preseason. So definitely hop in and join the fun. Follow VU Hoops on Twitter and Instagram, and that's at VU Hoops. And you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at Repay 5 I'm still off the grid, so follow Eugene, follow Brendan. Follow the view hoops and follow the pod. And you can follow me at Brendan Riley 37 on Twitter and uh, probably chasing my three-year-old around uh, somewhere in the greater Philadelphia area. Brendan, thanks for coming on. Thanks for devoting your time. Always a pleasure, guys. Always fun. To everyone else, we are just two days away from tipping off the NCAA tournament. I mean, yeah, we you know we got first four and dating games like that to hold us over, but the real deal is on Thursday. So get pumped, get hyped. It's the best time of the year, and go Cats.